0: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires here with my co-host Matthew Bart, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Worth news and analysis. The Roost Podcast is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. Ten stars. Five stars? Yeah. Perfect ten. There, there it's 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 muscle memory now. So it's it's we're 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 reeling it off
1: what well, we're not going to tell people for the future is we actually just cut that intro and we're pasting it on all future shows.
0: Honestly, that would be smart. And <laughs> it,
2: would,
0: it would frankly be smart of me to have done, like, in the, what, 150, almost 150 episodes
2: of podcast this podcast
0: thus far.
1: This is technically, I believe, 149. Uh,
0: like, yeah, uh, it it is amazing that i have not thought to do that thus far but um the originality is
1: is why people keep coming back carter
0: yeah i mean maybe maybe i gotta like go full spencer hall with it and like the with the welcomes on the full cast and just you know start putting a little variety on there like like vary the cadence uh you know stress this syllable or that just you know Give them we now have 149
1: episodes, we know who we are. So now you can play with the timing. Exactly. Yeah,
0: we we've reached that point where you're. um, I don't know. Maybe the listeners are now at that point where they think of us as their friends or 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 frenemies or whatever. And uh, you know, everybody's laughing along while we're we're doing weird things with the intro. I hope so. Otherwise, I have no idea why you're listening
1: to that's this. A, if if that's not if the case, don't. It's not tell a us. You at all. <laughs> I love it. Well. We will uh, we'll jump in. We have we have a great show. Uh, this is a lot of fun. Sat down with our buddy Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas Football, the sponsors, um, buddies, um, co friends uh, of this network. Uh, we've had a, a lot of fun getting to know these guys and working with them. But now we actually have. I guess this is the first time we've had anybody DCTF affiliated on since we officially announced that we were you know like doing stuff together. In business in cahoots cahoots feels like the proper <laughs> texas term um if you have so that's a lot of fun i do want to get one thing first uh, as you're listening to this, the first couple uh, articles posts stories notes have come out for the season preview for the 2023 rice football season those are going out all on patreon this year uh, it had been scattered into a preview digital magazine in years past it's all on Patreon. Right now, it's all available for our subscribers on our website, at slash preview. Uh, you can do that pretty easy. And first time we've ever done this, we're offering free trials. So go on to Patreon, patreon.com slash attheroost. You can go sign up and pay $0, and you can see everything that we've published so far for the season preview. You can see, man, everything back we had from Spring Ball. It's all there. The entire catalog is available for you to peruse. And see if you want to stick around for us in the months to come, which I'm hoping that you will. If you're at through 100 epi- 149 episodes of this podcast, clearly something has resonated, or uh, at least that's our bet. So go do that. Um, pick up some home field. Uh, we are going to talk about a lot of different schools in this uh, episode that we haven't hit on yet. And I was actually just talking with a buddy who went to Baylor. Uh, the Baylor home field collection is fantastic if you just want bears so completely random short of the week plug uh, go use the promo code roost r-o-o-s-t get some home field swag go sign up on patreon get get everything you need to know about rice we have the corners preview the tight ends preview uh, the preview for south florida is up and we have another one coming and there's just there's a lot going as i said this i've realized i've officially the june of nothing is going on and i'm in full busy mode which is great because that means football's here right
0: yeah and I, I was just looking i think uh you know since we've got mike here this week i was checking if Homefield has every fbs school in texas it looks like and i'm just doing this live but it looks like they're missing sam houston state but might have everybody else including some non-fbs we've got uh now oh look they've even updated uh they're ahead of the game it does not say houston baptist on here it says houston christian so good for them on that but yeah
1: as houston christian oh yeah man
0: i mean i, I bet the apparel best. says houston baptist because it's it's you know uh, right specializing but in still old school stuff yeah um but yeah Perhaps just something. about every single school in texas uh so you know you know pick your favorite uh non-rice texas school and uh go grab some comfy collegiate apparel
1: we actually this is breaking news uh we had home field apparel packages come in this week i'm sitting here right now with my and i've worn it already but it's currently one million degrees so not but uh the rice owl hoodie that uh is fantastic and it's wonderful so if you think you're like man someone just paid us to hawk their stuff uh, that's not true we're currently wearing their stuff and hawking it because it's wonderful.
0: Oh yeah, I had. I'm I'm very excited. That I'm getting. Matt got my uh my I, I I got the uh the Navy old English R T-shirt, uh, which was I'm excited for. I, but I have long had. I uh, I have the same hoodie. I have the fight for rice T-shirt. I have uh, the okay. yellow hammer rammer jammer shirt for Alabama that inspired my tattoo. Uh, I. I also have uh, an Alabama crew neck sweatshirt and the Hawaii uh, rainbow, rainbow hoodie, which all of which I paid for with my own money before this sponsorship. So lest you think we are putting the hard sell on you, uh, these are things I have paid for with my own money before this. So,
1: Yeah, what I'm hearing you say is everyone that doesn't have some of this is messing out. And that is that's correct. Go get a Houston Christian extraordinarily cozy t-shirt. Or or something. Bryce, the rice stuff is. You're going to have the full set soon, so go check it out. It's great. We love them. We love Dave Campbell's. We love. It's been it's a it's been a good run for the response, and we ain't done.
0: All right, and we are here now with our pal Mike Craven from uh, Dave Campbell's Texas
1: Football. How's it going, man? Doing pretty good, guys. How are y'all? I'm ready. I just got info on the beginning of camp coming up for rice. So summer's officially over, even though it's Uh, the beginning of the And then we got media days and everything else. Have you come up for air yet? We were just talking about no more magazine, at least for like, what, three more weeks before you got to get ready for next Christmas.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, for me, June is probably the come up for air month out of out of the calendar year uh, before the magazine. You know, May and April were were obviously slow times for college football writers. Yeah, it's spring practice, but for the most part, it's pretty slow. But with the magazine, that's become you know maybe as busy as, as football seasons for me. So June is about as slow as it gets. Uh, but with the transfer portal and stuff, it, it never really stops. And then Big Twelve media days. Uh, coming up in July 12th kind of the unofficial start to my calendar and then just gets gets rolling right again. And I was I was giving you a hard time on
1: Twitter beginning of the week, I guess before Twitter died. If Twitter still exists <laughs> by the time this podcast comes out, that I needed you to remind me about every 6 months what conference all of the Texas schools were in cuz you put Houston in with the Big 12 and I had I knew they weren't in the, in the American yet. But I hadn't quite rationalized that they were officially in the Big 12. Something about that doesn't feel right.
2: Yeah, I'm starting to put together my schedule for the year. Um, and so just like you you look at Houston's schedule and it just looks so different than it has over the last you know decade plus that I've been in the industry. So it'll be interesting to see what that stadium is and kind of how the how the state. Uh, shapes up sam houston joining fbs has been a fun thing i I think that's going to be a a cool deal it it added five pages to the magazine uh because we had to give them kind of the big section instead of the fcs (laughs) section um and so uh the state's growing dave campbells is growing the republican football podcast network's growing so you know everything's moving in the correct direction right now yeah well you're gonna have
1: to fill us in because one of the things that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about and I've been kind of mulling this and people have asked me with all of I think with realignment a lot of the stuff that we kind of get stuck in is like man I I remember you know back when I was growing up as fan this team used to play that team and now we don't going to do this anymore and yada yada sometimes we miss kind of some of the cool stuff and I think that you know as someone who Maybe this is different as, as a Sam Houston supporter, but someone from the outside looking in, uh, the Sam Houston making the leap up and getting to play some teams that, I don't know, if watching Rice that I think Sam could beat, kind of what's been going on with, with Sam Houston? They seem to be one of the more interesting stories in realignment that's kind of exciting.
2: Yeah, I mean, and there's been some recent success of SCS teams jumping up. You know, Sam Houston feels positioned to do that. I'd say quarterback is probably the biggest question mark, but that that's true. Most places, right? I mean, that's probably the position that's, that's harder to find the, the lower you move down the rung. Uh, But they, you know, they redshirted about 15 or 16 of what, what would have been starters last year to keep one year of eligibility for this. Right. So they're going to go after it. You know, they feel like they've gotten some assurances from the NCAA that they'll get in above any five and seven APR teams. And so, if not enough teams, you know, reach bowls and Sam Houston happens to be bowl eligible, they wouldn't get in above any six and six teams that qualify, but they would be under that next rung, which, you know, Rice fans know usually gets filled out. Right. And so uh, they feel like they have something to play for this year. It's been kind of a weird, you know, if you think about Sam Houston over the last few years, you know, 2020 in the pandemic, they had to go play in the spring. Uh, And then, you know, 2021, they had to play, you know, right back in the fall. So they played, I think, 23 football games in one calendar year and went 22 and one. And then the next year, they had to deal with the transition up to the FBS. So they weren't eligible to win a conference or play in the playoffs. And so they were kind of in purgatory last year. So it's been kind of a weird, you know, run for Sam Houston for most of the kids on the on the rosters, you know, tenure there. Uh, It'll be be cool to see them play, you know, Air Force and BYU and Houston and a bunch of other teams like that. And I, and I know that, like, moving up is always, like,
1: the exciting thing, right? I know, especially for the Rice fan base, that the potential of going up to the AAC, I don't, I don't think I've heard anybody who is upset about that. Part of that is just restoring a bunch of teams that Rice played in Conference USA, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Is, is there any, you know, reticence from from Sam folks or just you in general about this is a program that was national championship caliber, at the FCS level that might now be going to playing for maybe getting to a bowl game every couple of years, as opposed to that, what, what's the best uh, fan experience here and, and are we losing it in some of the realignment possibility?
2: Right, I think it's a great question. and One I've kind of philosophized about for, for over a year, year now that I've been on the job and had to think about this is would you rather be a program at the FCS level that's competing for national championships and playing in playoff? <clears throat> or do you want to team be a team that's you know seven and five, eight and four in good years? Maybe you bump up to nine and three, ten and two, depending on your non-conference schedule, even though it's gonna be really hard for them for years because they got to make some money, right? Like they're they're in the collection business right now at Sam Houston. But it's not all about that. Like that's not what their decision was. I think if that was the only part of the decision, they probably would have stayed FCS and played for national championships and, and kept kind of being a big fish in a small pond. You know, but like most schools, they're in a they're in a race to get enrollment up like they're trying to get to 30,000 students. And to do that, you need to be an FBS program. And that's why a lot of these programs have moved up uh, to the FBS for no other reason but to get enrollment up, to get money up, to get endowment up, you know, and and on and on there. And so it's more about money. And so when when you look at it from a money standpoint, it, it's a no brainer to move the FBS. I think if you gave truth serum to a lot of the people in that building administration coaches behind the you know, they're not ready like they. They need a bigger stadium. They need a lot more infrastructure. Uh, but it was kind of now or never. You saw the news, you know, last week where they're going to bump up to five million to enter in the FBS. They needed to beat that clock and they were able to do so. And so it was kind of one of those, you need to do it now or you're going to do it in 10 years, or maybe don't do it ever uh, because of enrollment and them joining the Texas state system. Uh, they wanted to, to do that. And you know, I think they're going to be successful uh, for, for one reason or one reason only. And that's because Casey Keeler is an excellent football coach.
1: Yeah, that kind yeah, of flew I under
0: it'd be the radar. fascinating, especially given the recent history of schools like this, given that there is such a precedent specifically for this, you know, type of football program in like Appalachian State and James Madison that have had great, you know, uh, top-level success at, at FCS and come, and even and those schools have had done really well in the FCS. So I'm really curious to see – if you pulled say fans, how they feel about the team now versus when they were winning FCS titles, um, I'd be curious to what the breakdown of kind of what the feelings on that are, as opposed to, uh, I'm sure the administrators are mostly ha- all, all in on it, given how the, the change in financials afterwards. But I, I would be very curious what the the temperature of some parts of those fan bases are, given that like, even, even in, in programs like that having had great success at at fbs there's still a lot more the ceiling is still lower and there's still a lot more like potential for the downswing like look at georgia southern for instance so i'd be curious how like what the to take sort of a a comprehensive polling of, of fan bases like that
2: i would imagine the hardcore football fan of sam houston Uh, is is on the fence is torn because they enjoyed you know the national championship runs and the playoffs and winning conference games. but I think it'll get a lot of the alumni that that may be casual fans uh to the board because they're going to recognize the teams that they're going to be playing because they're going to be on ESPN2 or you know in places where you can see the game you're like you're not you're no longer claiming A&M like I went to UTSA so we kind of went through the same thing right like I was at UTSA Uh, Before football, and I know Sam Houston had football, but let's just make this an apples to apples conversation. I think there was a lot of people who never like talked about being a UTSA grad. They like pretended to be a Texas grad, or you know, they followed whatever football program they had followed going into college because they never had to see, they never saw their team playing on at that same stage. I think at Sam Houston, you see a lot of A and M hats, you see a lot of A and M shirts, Uh, because there's not an FBS football team and FBS uh, sports program there. I think now that there is, maybe there will be a little bit more you know, because they have a huge alumni base, they they graduate a lot of people, uh, maybe, you know, as they're playing bigger schools, bigger helmets and on national TV more, that'll give, you know, more light to the, the football program from people who even went to the school that maybe just never embraced it because it was quote unquote, you know, division two football or, or whatever the stigma is. So,
1: and not to put words in your mouth, but uh, we got one side of the spectrum here with Sam Houston, where it kind of feels like, yeah, there's, there's excitement, there's some expectation coming into 2023, but at the end of the day, you know, they're still in the very early onset paycheck phase of let's get this up to stuff. And as far as, uh, you know, demands and what this program needs to do right now, I'd probably put them on the lower end of the the totem pole for uh, expectations and, and pressure rating going into this year. Who would be on the other side? If we look at the the Texas team, what team has the most pressure in, in 2023, do you think, in the state?
2: It's got to be Texas, you know, I mean, A&M could be an answer because, you know, Jimbo could be on the hot seat, and whatever happens there. But, you know, the, the expectations have risen for Texas. It's the last year in the Big 12. It Sark's third year. The Big 12 is down. You know, Kansas State lost people. TCU lost people. You know, what is Texas Tech? What is Baylor? You know, Texas is by far the most talented team in, in the Big 12 you know, they're all – they're trying to get, you know, jumping board into the SEC and what that can be. And if they're disappointing this year, if they go 8-4 and four or 7-5 or something like that this year, you know, I think that's going to be a huge letdown for Texas, you know, compared to the expectations in the Big 12. Uh, and it's going to really dole uh, the momentum going into the SEC. You know, you see how they're recruiting, signing Arch Mannings and, and, and players such as that, probably going to sign Colin Simmons from Duncanville and, and some of the big players from 2024. So everything's moving in the right direction for Texas off the field. It's just time for them to prove that they can do it on the field. And if they can't do it this year in the big 12, I think it's fair to ask if they can under Steve Sarkeesian and the SEC. And that's just going to bring about a whole lot of questions and a whole lot of drama that I don't think that they believe they're going to face after this year. I mean, you're, you're inside that building and you can tell it's confident in a way that Texas teams kind of are fake confident. You know, you can, you can hear it and you can be <laughs> in the building and go like, Oh, and well, they don't really mean that, you know, like right, somebody said it. it. They're just saying it because they think that they're supposed to say it because that's what it sounds like. But you can tell they're not, you know, they're not really believing it. It it does feel like the group really believes it this year. And and we'll find out if that's sure or not. But I I do think that they have uh, the most pressure, the most expectations this year.
1: Is there something that makes us believe that this year is going to be different, though? And this is the interesting thing, because it's, it's fun looking at the especially at the, you know, the bare bones of what a college football program is supposed to be. You get talent in, and you coach them up, and you win football games. And Texas has always had talent, and it it hasn't followed through since. when was their last Big Twelve championship?
2: Yeah, I mean, when the yeah, Sugar Bowl so,
1: year.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it'd probably be Case McCoy, Colt McCoy time, right? I mean, it's, it's been a long time. You know, it's been it's been twelve plus years since they've they've reached expectations. I I would say this. I, I think the difference this year for Texas is experience and experience in the trenches. You know, like they started true two true freshman offensive linemen last year. Um, they haven't had an offensive lineman drafted in the first couple of rounds other than Samuel Cosby since like 2008, 2009. Uh, and so, like you know, Kelvin Banks is is a future top 15 pick at left tackle. He started all 13 games last year as a true freshman. Probably the best offensive lineman in the state. You go left guard, they got Hayden Connor. You know, Like we could go down the list. Like they average 20 starts apiece you know, up front along the offensive line. I think they're finally experienced and tough in the parts of the football field that you need to to overcome adversity. They've always had seven-on-seven seven talent. Uh, but since they were good, they haven't had many offensive linemen, many defensive linemen that were just tough, hard-nosed, blue-collar guys. I think Kyle Flood, with his SEC experience, has gotten back to that. They just got really big. There's a lot of big humans. Uh, and so I don't think they're they're going to get bullied in a way that they used to get bullied. And so for me... That's kind of the biggest step forward for Texas It's just like the physicalness that those offensive linemen and defensive linemen bring. Like every coach I know says that that's where it starts. Like if you have a really tough group up front that can keep everybody else in line, you're going to do well in the second half. And you're going to do well in your locker room. Cause you have some bouncers and Texas hadn't had bouncers in a while. I think the fact that they do it is going to be a good sign in a big 12. I love,
1: like, there's some things that like, are, are cutting edge in, in the sport today and there are other things that are so like raw football coach and the idea of like you're going to be better at the end of the year because you have bouncers is the most yeah. like texas high school football <laughs> old school good old boy i love it
2: <laughs> yeah i mean big fish eat little fish right i mean there's weight classes in, in boxing for a reason um and so you know i i think for texas They've geared up for an SEC run and they've recruited a lot of guys who probably wouldn't have played big 12 football if not for the move to the SEC next year. And this is the year to reap the benefits of having SEC athletes and a big 12 schedule. All right. What if we bump down a weight class then
1: if Texas is the most, you know, we'll put them in A&M up at the top of uh, the state, go down to that next tier of, I don't know, that quasi big 12 in between. Uh who's that next group? You mentioned, you know, Baylor, TCU, lost some guys. We don't know what tech is. Houston is uh
2: I don't know. What's that next who has the most pressure of that next group? I would say Houston, but I was there last week and talked to the athletic director, talked to the head coach, and it does feel like they're pretty reasonable in their expectations that if this thing doesn't blow up, if it's not like three and nine or something crazy like that, you know, they're gonna they're gonna see what they can become in the big 12 before doing anything rash. So for me, it means Baylor probably, you know, I mean, Dave Aranda, which is, this is freaking nuts, by the way, like the fact that we Lincoln were singing has... his praises, he was the most brilliant man of the sport, like two years yeah. ago. Yeah. He's like, you know, monk Aranda, right. You know? And so like, <laughs> you can't, crazy college football is. Even in a place like Waco, where it's not, I mean, that's not like, we can all be honest, right? It's not like Baylor's like a beacon of football success over 100 years where they can have these expectations, but college football has grown in a way, and the money is such that you can have the best season in program history, and that's not hyperbole. Like, 2021 was the best season in Baylor program history, <laughs> and it, going into 2023, we can be like, ah, I don't know, man. If he has a losing season, he may be on the hot seat. Like, he may get fired, because he's had two out of three have been losing seasons. And so, um, you know, I, I, think a lot of people, whether they'd admit it out loud or not, give a lot of credit to 2021 to Matt rule and, and the roster that Joey McGuire and Matt rule built there in Waco. And so now it's up to Dave Aranda to prove that he can win post those players, post Terrell Bernard, post Jalen Petrie, uh, both post Abram Smith. What can he do with his own guys last year? He didn't do the portal. He didn't want to be the transfer portal coach. He, he, he kind of had a little bit of a false sense of loyalty to the guys on, on the roster and wanted to do it organically. And, you know, they fell flat on their face. They went from 12 wins to six wins. He knows that can't be true for much longer. He won't keep that job. They hit the portal more. Uh, but I, I think if we're just talking P five, I know the least about what Baylor's going to be. I have no idea. I, I could sit here and pretend like I do. I have no idea. Uh, because I don't even know if anybody in the, in the building does. And so, now, I think Baylor for me is probably the one that I'm keeping the most eye on just because I feel like I know the least about that program from a year to year basis because it's gone from two wins to 12 wins back to six wins. Is it, which one of those things is it? Is it one of the extremes? Is it in the middle? Like, I, I don't know if anybody knows yet. Maybe year four will tell us more. Interesting that you bring
1: it up because I feel like you go back. I don't even know, maybe 10 years ago. And the kind of marching orders for when you bring in a new coach was like, uh, ah, he gets four he gets four years. Like if it's really bad after three, you let him go. But he gets four years. That was kind of like the standard. And now I feel like that barometer has tricked down to, I mean, in especially in the portal era, it's like, if you don't have your act together after two, we're gonna start looking. Um are are we kind of getting to like, I feel, you said that, I'm like, man, Dave Miranda needs that 10-year contract. Like, I'm pretty sure, I watched him at LSU, like, I'm pretty sure he's a good football coach. Like, just give him some time to figure it out. Like, are we, are we going to bounce back in that direction of guys get a little bit more time, or are we just going to keep buzzsawing closer to, like, you better with the portal, get your stuff together in year one, and let's go?
2: I honestly think it's going to be less like with the portal, it's, it's going to speed up that clock. And with the money, it's going to speed up that clock. And with the expanded playoff, it's going to speed. it's become a vibes industry, right? Like the athletic directors, the donors, the fan base, it's like <laughs> a billion it's like, dollar how do we, vibes how do we, industry. How do we, that's what rich people, like, this is a toy for them. It's like Twitter with Elon Musk, right? Like it's, it's just a toy. Like it's not like we think of it as like the biggest thing in the world and it's got all this money and how could you throw it away? But for them, this is their plaything. Like they have businesses, like they have other ways that they've made all of this money. This is their extracurricular, this is their hobby, this is their game of golf or whatever the equivalent is uh, for them. And so I I think it's going to be sped up because the opportunities are more and more to get into the big limelight. Like Rice is going to see a team from the AAC get into the playoff in a year or two and be like, man, that could be us. And you're going to speed up that gas pedal, right? I mean, I think it's just normal. And that's the way that this industry is going. I think you touched on another. I think cool point. And that's Dave Aranda is a great football coach, but the longer I'm in this thing, the more I realize that that's not really a big part of being a head coach. Like the X's and O's and understanding how to be a coordinator or even a position coach or a play caller is completely different than needing to be a manager of what is now a fortune 500 company everywhere with, with NIL and the portal and the alumni, and media, and the board of regent, and all the things that a head coach has to do—it's so much more than just being, a, a, you know, a, a really good ball coach. And I think that's the thing we have to figure out with Aranda—is how how is he at running a program? Can it be sustainable? And we don't know that yet. I, I think there's a reason that Jeff Trailer steps into being a head coach in college and knocks it out of the park. There's a reason Joey McGuire steps in, and knocks it out of the park. Lance Leopold, Chris Kleiman. like it doesn't matter where you were a head coach. I don't think. It just matters if if you have the skill set to become a head coach. I think we're learning more and more that those skill sets skill sets translate from Division two to high school to FCS to FBS or wherever. But it doesn't it doesn't always translate between really genius offensive coordinator and head coach or really genius defense coordinator and head coach. Like I, I think that's another uh, fun part about college football as well.
1: We get to the point in a couple of years where we have our first like Brett Yormark hired to coach a college football team. Like, when he was hired to be the commissioner of the Big 12, everyone's like, what? This guy doesn't know sports? He's a media dude. And then everyone's like, wow, this guy is awesome at running this. Or are we just going to get – who's, who's going to be the first program that's going to hire someone with, like, basically no coaching experience and say he's our head coach
2: now? Yeah, I mean uh, you know, – Did that, that, that already
0: happened happen with Trent Dilfer?
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, hell, I mean, like, think of Mike Leach's trajectory as a coach. Yeah, you know, he's like a lawyer at Pepperdine. You know, he never played football before he he brought in an outside perspective, you know, melded it with uh, with Hal mummy and, and then the rest is history. So I do think some of the best ideas and some of the, the biggest pioneers or or whatever word we want to use, you know, usually come in with an outside perspective. They don't know any better. Like they don't know all the rules. So they they don't bother breaking them. I think we're seeing that with your mark in the Big 12. And yeah, I don't know when that's going to happen. I, I think Deion Sanders is close to that. Right. Where you're not you're not hiring Deion Sanders or Trent Dilfer. Uh, because of the offense they run or because of the defense they run or because of the culture they built, you know, you're hiring them because they have like a different set of views, they have like a different viewpoint, they're going to come in there and do something different and maybe jumpstart your program. So I think we're starting to see people get a little experimental with it. It will be interesting to see who kind of sees it from a marketing CEO perspective and just goes completely non football.
1: Well, well, to be fair, you said that wasn't Dilfer on the radio like last week or the week before saying like if you tamper with my guys, like I'm going to get on ESPN and, and talk to my friends and tell them to out you. So that yeah. might be as close as we've gotten. He's lying. I know he's <laughs> lying, but he's got to say it. <laughs> yeah. He's the first and one you are say you that. Are, You're definitely
0: getting a, a version of this certainly, if not with coaches, then with athletic directors. And, and it was certainly already trending that way. But like I mean, Jax Warburg at Notre Dame is finally retiring, and they're replacing him with, uh, like, a media guy from NBC, who, granted, is a Notre Dame grad, but, like, the days of former coaches being athletic directors are fully gone, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. That's wild. What else is going on state? Big picture. We've kind of mirandered, I guess, the, meandered. mirandered. we got to go jump down one line. Let's go to the G5 level. Um, most pressure. We, we bumped down under those big 12 schools. Most pressure under the G5 group of schools in Texas.
2: I'm honestly, I think I'm going to go SMU. Um, you know, because UTSA. Even if you, I mean, UTSA, I mean, like, there's nothing like what can happen to UTSA, like two conference titles, like they can't like if they go eight and four or whatever and have like a quote unquote disappointing season, like, st- I mean, who cares, right? Like, it's not like Jeff Trader's going anywhere. But SMU is kind of if, if they can't win it this year, if they can't go play for a conference title this year, like, I don't know if they can. I mean, look at the schedule. They don't have to play Tulane. They don't to play UTSA. I mean, they should win nine or 10 games this year. They have the big. They have the biggest budget. Like if we're talking this thing, like it's like a major league baseball thing without a salary cap. Like SMU can pay people in a way that these other schools in uh, the AAC can't. You know because of Dallas and uh, you know the forty year head start with NIL and all the other advantages SMU has right now. And so you know for me, start. I like that. For, for um, me, that's a great. <laughs> for me, it feels like SMU has to like go contend for a conference title and with the big 12 or with the big 12, with the playoff expanding next year i think smu can be a program that emerges as like a perennial g5 kind of powerhouse uh, with the transfer portal bringing guys back to dallas you know like i mentioned with nil i mean they have a lot of money everybody on that roster makes at least 37 five right like they, they're paying people and so you know they should be good they should be talented and they should go play for a conference title, it, it feels like they have the highest expectations, and to me, that's how I always think of that question: is like, who has the highest expectations and who cannot reach those expectations? And and SMU feels like a team where our expectations are higher than their production has been in the past, so they're going to have to do something they haven't done, you know, in my lifetime. And so, you know, we'll see if they're able to pull it off. But you just, I go to every single one of these teams' practices at least one during spring, and SMU looks closer to a Power Five team than a G Five team. And so, for me, just talent alone, you know, SMU can't underachieve. Where does
1: Red, Red Lashley fit into that mix then? Because I, I yeah. feel like he's, he's, he's one of those guys that was renowned for like, man, this guy knows ball. But now he's a head football coach. That might not be the same thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's, he's in a, you know, wait and see period. Like, he hadn't done anything anywhere to like, you know, be vouched for. Like, he, he's definitely in a trial period. As a head coach, we know we're we're wondering kind of that same thing: Is he an offensive coordinator? Is he a play caller? Or is he a program builder? Uh, the way he's molded that roster and what they're doing behind the scenes with their de- scouting department, and uh, you know they've they've added sixty-five plus new players in the in the last year and a half through the through the portal or recruiting. So he's he's turned over that roster. Uh, they're going to score a lot of points, uh, but his, his his job at SMU is uh, to get the defense fixed and to go win football games. And Dallas, like that program's one that's not going to be patient either. You know, they're seeing what Sonny Dykes is doing at TCU, and he used to be at SMU. And, you know, they're wanting to join a Power Five program and, and all that noise. And so, you know, I think Red Lashley obviously gets this year. If they go six and six, I, mean, I don't think he gets fired. Uh, but I think he, he's definitely on the watch seat going into 2024 if they don't do really well this year, just because I, I think they should. I mean, on paper, you know, they should be nine and three, 10 and two. Okay, I want to talk about on paper, and I
1: want to talk about Rice, because this is a Rice podcast. Uh, You got an outside perspective. I'm looking at the paper like this, right? Okay, Rice has now signed the highest-rated recruiting class in program history three times in the last four years under Mike Bloomgren. So they're recruiting at a level higher than they've ever recruited before. The staff that they've hired, the names that they've hired, the dollar amount of investment in the past two or three years compared to, honestly, the last 15. They're checking off a lot of the right things. So what, what is Rice missing from making that jump and, and making that to, you know, whatever level that, that is that they want to be at? Um, on, on the, what's the gap, do you think? And, then, and what's something that you think, like, man, this is the reason that Rice fans really should have hope because it could work because of X.
2: Yeah, I think the reason that it could work because of X is because JT Daniels is there and he has an incredible amount of skill set players to, to choose from. I mean, Bradley Rosner, Cedric Patterson, uh, Luke McCaffrey, like all of those guys are, are really good wide receivers, like all conference ability type wide receivers. But Patterson can stay healthy. Like the, the staff is super uh, excited about adding his dimension and just him with those two guys and what he can provide. Uh, and then there's, you know, there's other guys on the roster, too, running back and, and out wide and the depth. So, they they should be able to score points. Like, they, I think the the offense early on in the Bloomgren area era kind of felt like old school Stanford, where they were trying to just, like, blunt force trauma people to death. And it's hard to do that at Rice because it's hard to recruit the type of offensive lineman you need to run that type of offense. It fills with Tui e in there. They've kind of changed it up a little bit, gotten more modern, done some more stuff to kind of help out their offensive lineman and not make them just, like, go head on into the charge you know, like old school 1950s football or something like that. I think that's really helped the offense. So for me, it's just, can the defense get average? You know, can the quarterback stay healthy? Can, can there be some consistency at that position? Can there be consist- consistency at the defensive unit? Like if JT Daniels is everything that Bloomgren thinks he is and that he's recruited him for like a decade now, Like, if he can come in – because, you know, we've had this conversation. Like, Rice has had more starting quarterbacks than any other team in the FBS. Like, the numbers are insane. Like, they've had no consistency there. And it's hard to win football games when you don't know who your quarterback is on a week-to-week-out basis. If JT can stabilize that position and just be, like, the fourth-best quarterback in the AAC, like, Rice should go 6-6. and They should get to a bowl game. Now, my question to Rice fans is, like, is that good – like, if Rice goes 6-6, and is that, like, enough to stamp the approval and go, like, yeah, let's do three more years of grid?
1: I think what's interesting is the AAC move, I think, complicates the equation. Because yeah. I think if, if Rice was still in Conference USA, that wouldn't be good enough. And if Rice was moving into the AAC as it was previously, where Houston and UCF and Cincinnati, and honestly, it was a much tougher league, then they'd be, okay, We can leave that. But I think no one knows for certain, like, we're talking about, like, maybe SMU is good. We don't know. Memphis is there. UTSA. Like, nobody really knows how good this league is. So it's hard to then take five years of expectation of what Bloomer had done so far, mess it up against the conference. We don't really know what it is yet. It just, it felt like the math got so much harder when, if this was just Conference USA again, you say, okay. It was five last year this year it's it's seven, like go like that would have been so much easier, but i d- I don't feel like it's that it's that easy anymore yeah, I like, taking off like for me from my own fan perspective,
0: I think I would be satisfied with six and six, given that it's accompanying you're not exactly sure what the step up's going to be, but it probably is a step up. Um, so I think. And it's, I don't know, it's still frustrating uh, the, with how slow the build has been here, I guess. But, I don't know, you look through the schedule and, okay, if you're saying the standard is eight and four, like, I don't know, you better be real confident there's eight sure wins on that schedule. Um, and then the, the other complicating factor is now you've got a new athletic director coming in, because Carl Garden yeah. stepped out this summer, and How are they going to feel and just like, what's the bar? Is the bar different now than it would have been with uh, now having an AD that is not the one who hired Mike Blumgren in the first place?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's, to me, from being an outsider, it's the one thing I can't ever, like, get a good feel of is, like, what are the expectations for each program? I I had this battle with North Texas fans because they fire – Seth Luttrell, after going to a bowl game six out of seven years, and you look at their history, and they'd only gone to like five in the whole history uh, before Seth Luttrell. And so, you know, can you admit that a coach is like the best coach you've ever had, or at least, you know, since Hayden Fry in the modern history, and then still want more? North Texas fans and alumni and the administration decided, yes, we can have a coach that's like had more success than any other coach and then gone, well, the expectations have risen, the resources have risen, and we want more than that. And they moved on from Seth Luttrell. Like I have a hard time and like I have a hard time going like rice is like blue or like the, the landmark should be eight and four. I mean, because they've had like what I mean, like eleven seasons where that's been like true, you know. So eleven of what a hundred and nine seasons are, are good enough at Rice. Like I that that's that's as a fan, that's what always gets to me is I'm a UTSA grad. We cannot allow the Jeff Trailer twilight years here, right? Like the, the good, like this cannot be the baseline for UTSA football, like UTSA's football baseline needs to be seven and five, eight and four, six and six. Occasionally, you know, you go win a conference championship when you get it all right. Uh, but when Jeff Trailer eventually leaves UTSA, like UTSA fans are going to have to recalibrate what their expectations are. You know, for me, I think that's one of the more interesting things that I like to talk about with each fan base and with guys that I know from each fan base is like, what are reasonable expectations? What is a good year? What does that even mean? Because as soon as we can label it, we can start looking at past history and going, OK, well, you would have only been happy this amount of times or that amount of times. Or here's what a normal year is. And here's what. We're, and so uh, for me, I, I think every fan base is different. And it maybe it maybe changes every single year. Like maybe the expectations should be higher as North Texas and Rice move up to the American uh, as they were before. Uh, but I don't know. I think one of the things, one of the symptoms of the disease of college football that makes us all perpetually upset is that we always have these expectations that seem higher than the uh, history of the program we're reading for seems to suggest. And I think that's just true everywhere. And I think that's probably why there's so much passion in college football and why a dork like me can have a job where I only do it like this is all I do all year long is because we have those unreasonable expectations. So I probably shouldn't you know, talk people out of them as much as I try to do.
1: Oh, no, that's totally it. It's the it's the whole uh, baseball conundrum, like, you, you know, you're you're great if you're successful a third of the time, like every college football fan in their heart knows that they're going to be happy with the outcome of like, what, 20 percent of the seasons. But the anger yeah. is what keeps them going and yelling on the Internet. And that's what makes it fun. It's
2: like golf. Yeah. Do Either of y'all play golf.
1: Uh, not well. <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> well, the better the better you get at it, the worse you think you are, because the goalposts posts always move. And like that, that's true with football. You know, it's like, you know, David Bayless came through and had a really good year. I mean, two of the only three 10 win seasons ever came in David Bayless time and he got fired. Right. Cause like the goalpost, move, he set the standard. He wasn't living up to the standard anymore. You move on. Uh, but I think Rice has figured out that it's not, it's not that easy, right? Like the next guy doesn't necessarily mean, and you're just going to jump back up to win an eight, nine, 10 games and competing for conference titles. Like this sport is ran by the head coaches and there's not very many good ones and so you just have to get lucky and find the right guy and ride that horse as far as you can until a, a bigger program comes and scoops them up and then you hope you get lucky again like that's just life at the g5 level in college football
1: yeah, yeah. And, if, if, and
2: if there's
0: ever a case study in in the ability of fans to have unreasonable expectations beyond what you would think uh, rice is a great example because it's not a fan base that a lot of people are familiar with because a small one and because it's not a prominent program generally, but like in my experience, the people with the most unreasonable expectations for Rice football are not like, like I was a student at Rice from 2009 to 2013. So I saw like uh, my last, my senior year was the first year they made a bowl. Well, I I missed the 2008 season and then they made a bowl my senior year. And then that's when the, the, you know, they win the conference title the next year in my experience, the people with the most unreasonable expectations for Rice football are the people who went to Rice when it was in the Southwest Conference. And go back and look at Rice's records between the JFK go-to-the-moon speech and when they <laughs> shared the conference title at 5-6 and six in 1994, which is the last time they beat Texas. It's pretty, it's pretty desolate. It's not good. Like, I've, I have seen fans who were or, or you know alums, former members of the team, who were like uh, this blah 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 is unacceptable, unacceptable. And you go back and you look, well, oh, okay, well, you were on the team in 1958, and uh, your four seasons they won like eight
2: games total. Right. So what? What? Where does this expectation come from? And yet, it's still there. I think it's snobbery over who Rice is playing now compared to then. I think that's right. the big part of it, yeah. They look at the schedule now, and they're like, wow, we we would have beat USF and UConn and Tulane and SMU. Like, we were playing against TCU and Texas. You know what I mean? Like, I think I think some of it is that, and it's just not an understanding of where college football has moved and how different the landscape is now compared to, I mean, even the 90s, you know, much less the, the 80s, yeah. 70s, 60s. Which feels like 100 years in, in this
1: sport. Oh, my gosh. It ages you quick. Right? Okay. We, we could probably keep you here for hours, but we won't. I want to run you through our lightning round real quick. We've, we've yes. textified it for you. And then I want to get to uh, our main event, our uh, draft coming up. So, first things first, put you through quick on your feet uh, a couple yeah. questions. So, uh, let's see what you got. In the state of Texas,
2: best offensive player this season. Oh, I guess I'll go. I mean, give me the easy one. I'll go Frank Harris at UTSA. I mean, uh, tons a UTSA
1: of quarterback. That, that's, I'm still, you're, I
2: don't, you might not be wrong, but that's wild, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think if we just go raw numbers and success, Frank Harris is the best quarterback in the state. You know, he may not be the the highest drafted or whatever, but um 23 and three i think over the last two years you know led so many comebacks um led the nation or led the state in, in passing and stuff uh just uh, he's got a good running back he's got a good tight end he's got multiple good wide receivers the offensive line is as good as it's been since jeff traitors they like the offense is going to be good at utsa so I, I unless he gets hurt give me frank harris at utsa okay other side of the ball best defensive player in the state I think it's Jalen Ford at Texas, the linebacker. I mean, he led Texas in almost every defensive category last year, and as I was going together to put the magazine, he led the state in multiple defensive categories last year at linebacker. Demarion Overshone's gone next to him, so he's going to have to step up and be even more productive. Uh, give me him a, a close second would be Jalen Hutchins, the defensive tackle at Texas Tech. He's he's supremely underrated. Uh, tech's defense is a lot better than we think a Tech defense is because we just think of it as a Tech defense. Uh, but it, it's getting better and better under McGuire. Okay, then I want you to l- dig a little bit deeper.
1: This is our honorable mention category. Who's somebody that's not going to be on any of your preseason all-conference teams? I don't care if that's Dave Campbell's or Big 12 Media, AAC Media, CUSA, what what have you. Who's not going to be on any of those lists? But you're going to bet your house that at the end of the season, he's going to be on one of those lists.
2: I think I tipped my hand earlier. I believe SMU is poised for a huge season. And with Rhett Lashley, one thing you know for sure is there's going to be a wide receiver with, like, ungodly numbers. And I think for me this year, that's going to be Jordan Curley. I think Jordan Curley is going to replace a lot of that Rasheed Rice uh, production on the outside. He's going to catch 70, 80, 90 balls and be, you know, all AAC and, you know, all American wide receiver guy. I think Jordan Curley is going to have a huge, huge year for SMU. Okay, and
1: then throw the stats out. One player that you just have the most fun watching in the state. Oh man, that's an excellent
2: question. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a defensive guy. Like safety is my favorite position of all time. Steve Atwater was my first favorite football all right. player um and so like covering the state of texas to, and a
1: safety guy i love this yeah,
2: yeah 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 uh you know run run the shoot you know just just completely destroy slot receivers like I, i'm here for the snot bubbles across the middle um and so like i'm really excited can you get that he, on he, a t-shirt actually cause that well, i'm here should. for the snot I want that <laughs> that's a good idea that's a good idea we need to market that i need some extra money uh All
1: i think the field. guy
2: i'm The guy I'm most excited to watch this year is Jalen Catalan, the transfer safety to Texas. He's from the DFW area. I covered him when I was on the recruiting beat up in Mansfield. He went to Arkansas. He had an excellent first couple of years and has really dealt with some injuries over the last couple of years. Uh, But he could be excellent in Texas secondary if he can stay healthy. He's had some shoulder issues. Uh, But I'm super excited uh, to see him play and see what he can do in that Texas secondary. I did not realize he was a Texas now. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good. Really good. Fun player to watch. He will, he's only like five, nine at 200 pounds, which is why he always has shoulder problems because he plays like so crazy depending on his size. But like he is uh he's mighty mouse, man. He's a lot of fun. He's just a football player. Like just an absolute stud.
1: Now what is this his sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th year that, that the name sounds older for some reason.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Those, those COVID guys that have had some injuries, you know, they've been able to stack some gear. I mean, like we were talking about Frank Harris, like, you know, 2018, he got a medical red shirt or a regular red shirt. 2019, he got a medical red shirt. Well, 2020 was the pandemic. His clock didn't even start until 2021. So you want to hear something scary is Frank Harris can come back next year if he wants to. What? <laughs> At some point, we just got to step in
1: and say, hey, what what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, his, he, his first year. His, this his man's playing medical. college
0: football and he's got a mortgage.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, North Texas's quarterback last year was 29 years old. Yeah, why, why, uh,
1: what coach hasn't said, hey, I'm just going to go sit out at the minor league ball, ballpark and recruit all the guys that get cut from the double A team? Yeah.
2: You know, what's funny, it's just like it's creating a backlog. Like you go to UTSA and you're like, hey, man, why did so-and-so transfer? And they're like, well, he couldn't play. Frank won't leave. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they, they just they've had so many guys stick around. Um that they they've had they've lost transfers because of just like you know their wide receivers won't graduate. You know, their quarterback won't go away. their secondary guys won't leave. And so you know that's what that's what's crazy about this. Like you're putting together a magazine, and you're like, well, he's a senior he played back in the day that meant he was gone. He was he was no longer there. You didn't have to do any research. Like now, you have to be like, well, is he a senior that gets to come back? <laughs> or is he a, you know, and so it's just it's, an absolute. I, I guess, it's a plus the right
1: S.I.D. and everybody just stop referring to people by whatever class they are it's yeah, like give me years is. of eligibility remaining that's what i yes. want to know yep i mean is i, I, a I junior was
0: trying to figure out what on the, i was trying to figure out on podcast recently if uh brad rosner could manage to finish a phd before he runs out of eligibility to rise so
2: yeah i mean he should be i mean was he in year eight year nine something like that he gets yeah, older I think Senior, his year, I think his
1: senior year of high school was 2016 so jesus this is crazy. Okay. Uh, Heisman winner from the
2: state. Who do you think? If
1: someone's going to win it, who's it going to be?
2: Honestly, if somebody is going to win it, it's going to be Quinn Ewers. Uh, just because that's a quarterback award for a really good football team, and it, it's not going to be a G5 team, right? Like, they're just not going to give that to somebody. So, like, realistically, it's going to take Texas going 10-2, and 11-1, winning the Big 12, playing good against Alabama. And him having you know a big year when he's got the name brand and the and all that kind of stuff. I think if anybody's got a chance, it's going to be Quinn. Connor Wigman, just for fun. I do not believe in what's happening in College Station. Interesting. Like, I, That's we I, need a whole podcast. Actually,
1: plug. You you do other podcasts. We need to plug your other podcasts because yeah. I feel yeah. like.
2: <laughs> yeah, listen to me on the Aggie War Pod with Jay Arnold. Uh we'll be getting into that pretty soon because, like, I just don't – I just don't see it. Like, I, they got all the talent in the world. I mean, they have – you know, we do an all-state team, you know, first-team offense, first-team defense, second-team offense. Like, Texas A&M's tied with TCU and Texas with eight players on, on those teams, and I have them going seven and five. You know, I just don't – you know, fool I'm me right. long, shame on you. You know, fool me, fool me twice. Like, I just – I'm off the Jimbo Fisher train. I think the Bobby Petrino deal is <laughs> – I, I think <laughs> – I really do. I wouldn't be surprised somebody threw a punch. You know what I mean? Like those two, those two <laughs> yeah. that would be fun. I cannot you know
0: wait for the dramas. Like given that, like when Jimbo signed that contract, all of the collective jokes that were made, like we were already sort of at the funniest possible outcome. Yeah. Like every yeah. jokey, hilarious way this could have got wrong. It kind of already had.
2: And then he hired Bobby. Grito. Like it's I a did. gold mine. That's a great way to put it. That's exactly correct. Like it uh, that's that's it. Like I just you can't put all that chaos in a room and convince me it's gonna be great. Like, at least I'm not gonna predict it. Like it, maybe it happens, but like I'm not gonna sit here and like put it in a magazine, right? And so I just don't I don't know, man. I just don't I don't I don't see them coming out of this thing even with all that talent in the world. Their defense was bad last year. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't sack the quarterback, even though they got you know, 10, five stars on the defensive line. I, I just don't see it. I They're going to be down 17 to 13 in the fourth quarter against somebody. Jimbo's going to try to take away the play calling and there's going to be a mutiny. And that's, that's my prediction for the 2023 Texas A&M football season. <laughs> It'll be on sports that are one way or yeah, another.
1: Exactly. I love it. Well, college station, Texas is not in our draft, but we're going to segue here because we Carter, was it Was it like three or four weeks ago, we came up this, I think, live on one yeah. of our podcasts. We decided that in lieu of rice trading out trips to Ruston to New or- for New Orleans, we needed to do a draft of the AAC schools and their cities to do our, well, I called it our dream AAC road trip. So that typifies, you know. You get to go to the city, you get to go see a football game, maybe eat some good food, maybe see some sites. And it worked out because there are 15 AAC teams, not 14, <laughs> that we could each draft five. And uh, who knows? Maybe if Twitter still exists, we'll throw them up on Twitter and see who has the best collection um, just for grins. Does that Got sound it. like a fun time to close things out? Let's do it. I didn't... Uh, fairly adjudicate who gets the first pick but we'll give it to you because we're generous and hospitable guests and uh i'll bring up the rear and we can snake it that was decided on the fly so i get the first pick you get the first pick so no pressure we have 15 aac schools and for the record smu is in university park according to wikipedia
2: (laughs) that's the uh that's the rich part of Dallas that didn't want to pay taxes to the rest of the Dallas independent school district. So they got. I didn't their, know um, that city play. existed, but yeah, University it Park. It's a tax haven. That's all it is. Um, <laughs> so and here's, uh, here's first... where I'll point out that Rice is
0: technically in Houston and not in West University Place, which is basically the same thing for the Rice area. But Rice mm-hmm. itself is technically Houston.
2: Yep, that's, a, that's 100% correct. Uh, with the first pick, I am going with uh, a road trip to Navy. Uh, I, I, I think going to Annapolis, seeing a game in that stadium right on the water in Maryland would be tremendous, obviously the armed services and what they do for our country. That road trip from Austin is excellent because you go through Tennessee and then up through Virginia. I know it doesn't sound pretty on paper, but if you've never been there, you go through the blue Ridge mountains. It's unbelievably pretty in Southern Virginia. Uh, you go through a lot of civil war battlefields, just a great road trip that I've taken up all the way through Maine. Um, and so that's the one I would go with. Number one, a great road trip, a great destination, and you get to see a team in a really cool stadium. I don't, I didn't, I
1: did no homework before this. I'm going to be honest, but I don't know if I was going to put Annapolis up that high. I mean, you like blue Crap? Blue crab?
2: Yeah, I mean, I it's good. It's good. It's really for the road trip. Like, I think it's a very pretty drive, one of the prettier drives in the country, one of the more underrated drives, and uh, I think that stadium is really cool. Like, every picture I've seen from that stadium is really awesome. I would love to go see an Army-Navy game one day in Navy. All right. It's on my bucket list.
0: All right, Carter. Pick two. Uh, All right. Well, that's excellent because I get to take the number one city on. I did, in fact, make a draft board for this, so I just take my number one my number one overall prospect which is obviously new orleans um the cool thing about new orleans is that you just no matter what you are looking for in in the sort of tourist city experience like it is there like there are sites and historic things to see there's the food obviously like no matter what level you're looking for um if you are the type of person who would enjoy going out on Bourbon Street. There's Bourbon Street, but there's also tons of stuff even just in the French Quarter outside of that. Um, Like I had Annapolis Lower on my board because I wasn't thinking about the actual like drive part of it, um, which is a solid argument there. Like the drive to New Orleans from say Houston is not terribly pretty, but uh, the city itself, I, I, I was mostly ranking on food and vibes. And I think New Orleans is a clear number one here in that case.
1: I like food and vibes. And now this is tricky for me because I get to go back to back as we make up the rules on the fly. And I think one of my choices, we'll make this pick three, is going to be San Antonio. Because there's nothing wrong with the city of San Antonio. It's wonderful. That's true. I I have been to the Alamo Dome for non-football games and for football games and the place is awesome. And, like, shout-out to, like, G5 stadiums that are fun to go to games in. That is one of them. And there, honestly, aren't a ton? (laughs) I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like G5 in general has the let's build a or play in an 80,000-seat stadium for a fan base that will fill 10% of that problem. Um, Maybe that changes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We know nothing about that. Yeah, I, I I get what is it? Glass houses, stones. Yeah, you're you're projecting. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. Uh, So I'll go with uh, I'll go with San Antonio. That'll be my three. Um, This gets tricky because I gotta wait, and so I, I'm toying with several here, and I think two. Just so I get a good place out of state, we are going to go with Charlotte. East Coast, wonderful, many great things about Charlotte. You can do so many things in Charlotte. Maybe the Charlotte football team will be good. I don't know. But the city and everything around it, I'm in, man. Biff Pogge, I'm I'm kind of out. But, but Charlotte is a city. I'm in. So that's me. So we're back to you, Carter.
0: Yeah, the, great, because I get also the second city on my board, which is Memphis. Uh, again, food and vibes here. I guess I would not call myself like a big live music person, but I have clearly cornered the market on live music here. Um, you get excellent barbecue. Um, I am a, a pan barbecue appreciator. I certainly have my preferences, <laughs> but I'm not going to be the one to be like, oh, I don't like Memphis. Like if it's smoked meat, I'm in on it. So uh Memphis also t shirt. Yeah. If it's if it's a place known for barbecue, then I want to go and eat there. Um also in this, I am um getting the most sort of arcane power here by uh drafting the the Bass Pro Shops pyramid into my set of cities. So I'm pretty happy with that.
1: <laughs> if it were Nashville, I would have been in. But I I I mean, I mean Memphis is fine. But... Maybe I'm Yeah, no,
2: I appreciate that comment about like any smoked meat. I think we get into this argument of like it's either our favorite or it sucks, you know, where it's like, man, it's good. (laughs) Memphis barbecue is good. You know, like it's not bad at all. Uh, Give me Texas brisket, but I'll eat Memphis barbecue all day long. Kansas City is where I draw the line on beef. Like, I don't know if y'all ever had Kansas City barbecue, but the pork is really good. The beef, not so much. I think for my second pick, I'm going with Temple, Philadelphia. Give me Philadelphia. All right, uh, you're really making cool the trek
1: that. up east. I love this.
2: Yeah, I'm a road trip guy. Like I enjoy driving. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of this job is kind of getting to go around seeing different stuff. That's a that's a good drive. And if you don't want to drive, it's an easy flight uh, to Philadelphia. Tons of history. Uh, kind of the you know birth birthplace of America in a lot of ways. Very pretty city. Temple University is a very pretty campus. You can also go see Villanova and different campuses around. Uh, that area. So uh, yeah, give me, uh, give me Philadelphia. I can go to new Orleans anytime. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Philadelphia and the next one see, I think I will took my, I was going to go Memphis as well. Uh, Memphis was a good pick. I guess I'll go FAU. Uh, there's a beach, right? I think I drive through new Orleans. I've, on the I've way heard there, them I'd say imagine.
1: something about being close to a beach. I think. Yeah. Is that yeah.
2: <laughs> So, you know, Bocatone, I'm sure there's a, uh, sure there's a there's solid things to look at I'm sure the uh the scenery is great if you know what I mean I'm sure it's a fun place to be um and so yeah I'll go uh, I'll go Boca Raton as my third as my my third pick
1: all right
0: Carter yeah um I'm feeling like I should diversify here like the uh, you know I, I I've really just been drafting cities and you know considering the the road aspect and the travel of it is, is is tempting me, but I think I just I think I just got to stick to the board here and go uh you know go with the personal bias. I'm going to pick Houston. Uh, I'm just cornering the market on the greatest food cities here. Um, <laughs> Houston, I will I will go to my grave saying is both maybe the single best and also probably the most underrated food city in the country because. Most people outside the state don't realize how huge it is and how diverse it is. And, uh, yeah, the food here is absolutely incredible. And, you know, the weather's miserably hot, but so is it in most places in this conference. So, uh, yeah, I'm sticking with, that, with not the hometown, but the, the place where I live and taking Houston off the board.
1: See, I considered going San Antonio, Houston up at the top, but didn't want to pigeonhole myself with two, two Texas at the, at the beginning. But, uh, now I regret that as I stare down two Dallas places, (laughs) Um, I'm not, you know what, because the way this works, I'm going to get stuck with a Dallas that neither of y'all want. And I'm just realizing that. And that makes me sad. We need to redo this. Um, my, uh, my next pick, I, I put little hash marks by like, I guess I could do this and I don't want that. So one of my, I guess I could do this that I would like is I'm going to go Birmingham. Um, Excellent. Excellent. Maybe for the barbecue, you know, hashtag smoke beats, but also I haven't been to, is it protective? Is that the name of the new stadium yet? Yes. I have been to the new, to the pit that they call Legion field. (laughs) And, uh, I would like to go to the new shiny stadium, please. So we're we're going to go Birmingham for my first pick. Here and that leaves me with. A bunch of maybe less exciting options, but I. I'm going to branch out and I'm going to add Florida. Let's go Tampa. We're going to put USF on the board. And uh, I would have, I would have got Tampa higher states.
0: here. I would The Florida factor would have put Tampa higher, not so much living in Florida, but visiting it. But I, I realized, like, if you listed all of the either regions or major cities in Florida that I would want to go to, Tampa is literally dead last on that list. It's true. Yeah.
1: But but also, like, at least it's close to those places.
0: I don't it know. Sure it's not does. Dallas. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Per capita, I think it's more strip clubs than anywhere else per capita. <laughs> All right, I want
1: to redo my pick. <laughs> All good. You're you're. Uh, we're back to Carter.
0: Okay, I'm gonna diversify a bit here, get a little more East Coast, and go Greenville. Um, <sighs> not like the top on my, you know, if I'm if I'm drafting North Carolina cities, it's Asheville with a bullet, and then uh, everybody else way down from there, but, uh, Greenville, you're a little closer to the beach, uh, which, you know, Atlantic beaches aren't Gulf Coast beaches, but, uh, you know, if that's something going for it, you're, uh, still getting kind of that, like, you're, you're out of the mountains, but you're, you're close enough, uh, so you're getting a little bit of a, you know, a prettier environment around the city than we're used to, uh, in, in Texas, certainly in Southeast Texas, so, uh, yeah, and you're getting. I'm adding a little. You know, I'm I'm really rounding out my barbecue portfolio here with the sort of coastal North Carolina.
1: <laughs>
0: this is an yeah, eating road trip.
2: Feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Yeah, that one broke my heart. I was going to pick uh, Greenville. There, I mean, you're close enough to Asheville. It's only like 45 minutes away or so. So you you almost get there. It's a great city. I was over there not too long ago. Actually, uh, went to uh, Smoky Mountain National Park. You kind of drive down into Cherokee. Uh, Pretty close to that area. Very pretty. Um, I guess I'll go SMU with my next pick. I mean, uh, Highland Park or otherwise, it's right in the middle of Dallas. Uh, It's basically just a a, a trip to Dallas. And if you don't have to live there, Dallas is okay. Um, If you have to live there, Dallas... (laughs) Another uh, one for the t shirts (laughs) <laughs> not so okay, uh, but it is a fun place to go spend seventy-two hours. Um, pretty easy to get to that stadium. Uh, pretty decent tailgate scene, to be honest with you. If the if the game's pretty good, if the weather's good, uh, so give me SMU for. Here's where it gets weird. Uh, the last three teams left for those keeping ho- score at home are Tulsa, North Texas, and Wichita State,
1: oh, which and is not state. state.
2: But, yeah. Well, do I have to pick? That is funny. That's true. It's not a state. Um, I, don't even want to go, I don't even want to go to any of these schools. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, to be fair, I, when I was doing my
1: uh, right before we started this uh, tick mark system, these were the three that were like, I just I don't want to go to any of them. Yeah. And well, these last... are
0: these are 13 for, uh, on my on my literal big board. I have marked up all the other schools. These are 13, 14 and 15.
1: Like we, this is
2: good this is good <laughs> the consensus board is in agreement here yeah this is also my 13 14 15 so i'll just stick with my board that i originally wrote down and i'll take tulsa um you know sylvester salone's doing a show about tulsa uh there's there's casinos i'm grasping at straws here guys i don't know a lot <laughs> I was about to say what do we i don't what, i don't uh, there's not there many reasons do? there's not many reasons you need to drive through oklahoma Uh, But if I do, I guess I'll go Tulsa. You know, you get to hit Oklahoma City. Maybe I'll just stay there for the night and drive into the Tulsa game. That's maybe what I'll do. There you you go.
0: I did have – this puts me in a hard place. I had – like I don't want Denton because, like, at least least if you're going to do a Dallas place, you could do, like – like getting University Park's fine because, like, Dallas is Dallas. But it is, like, a huge – city a huge metro area so there's still like a ton of stuff to do but Denton is like Denton is not in like the proper central metroplex it's like a solid ways north there
1: good 45 minutes uh yeah uh, Arlington and then
0: (laughs) you're like you're not in Dallas you're in a really crappy suburb
2: of Dallas yeah you're in north Texas (laughs) like quite little like the neighbors yeah
0: yeah. The name seems. of the school is not uh is not misleading. I, I did have Tulsa above Wichita because you are at least uh Tulsa is pretty close to like the Ozarks. So you could, I don't know, turn it into a trip where you like I don't know, drive over into Arkansas and like do Hot Springs National Park or something like that. Um
1: God, Denton or Wichita? <laughs> You know what? I'm You're just going to so go... you better all... by the fact that I get your leftovers.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to go... We're just going to double down on the Dallas hate here. And I'm going to take Wichita because ah! maybe there is some chance... <laughs> I did look up Wichita. It's a little bigger than I thought it was. It's like, yeah. what, like 300,000 people or something like that? I feel like it could have almost 400,000. Yeah. So it could have that, like, kind of charming small city vibe that some places have, like Chattanooga is like this. Chattanooga, I mean, is way prettier because it's it's right there in the Appalachians, but Chattanooga is a small city that is absolutely cool as hell. And I'm just taking a random chance here that maybe you would show up in Wichita and be like, you know what, this place is actually kind of cool. Whereas I, having been to Denton, I definitively (laughs) know it's not cool. I'm going for the mystery box
1: here, basically. Tell me one good thing about Denton. Oh, man. The North Texas fans. The thing is, the, I don't even think North Texas fans will, like, disagree. It's a
2: commuter school. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to North Texas, Denton is a fine city. Uh, but I'm I'm inching closer to 40, and I don't have any use for just, like, random college bars anymore. Um, and yeah. so, like, yeah, Denton, I mean, there's, like, a Rudy's Barbecue. Like, I mean, I don't know. There's just not much for me. Here's the Rudy's. man uh, that's bleak, yeah, yeah, it's
0: bleak that's, it's that's bleak, bleak. <laughs> all right, let's run this you out got it. uh, chain barbecue,
1: I guess <laughs> yeah, it all comes back to barbecue, but not the good kind, all right, so here's the uh the final draft board that we got, and uh please, if you love this exercise. Uh, Please, you know, go at the roost on all our social medias and tell us how wonderful it was. If you didn't like it, uh, it was Mike Craven's idea. And uh, (laughs) if you're just interested and you want us to take these road road trips, go send us, uh, go send us cash donations and we'll take pictures of barbecue and send it to you. Um, So Craven, he has these five cities, Annapolis, Philadelphia, Boca Raton, University Park. Dallas, parentheses, and Tulsa. That's his five. Carter has got New Orleans, Memphis, Houston, Greenville, and Wichita. Matthew has San Antonio, Charlotte, Birmingham, Tampa. And he didn't draft a fifth school. So that's the fifth, fifth, fifth. <laughs> This was fun. Hey, I think if I, nothing I else, think Carter I wins. realized we don't have to go to Ruston. And I like that. I think I vote for
2: Carter.
0: Um, uh, Houston, Houston, Memphis, and, and uh, New Orleans were the top three cities on my board. So I feel pretty good about how I came
2: out. I, uh, I'm i too literal of a person. And so when I read the original idea, I was thinking just the road trip part. Not necessarily the city, but I think your cities are, are, are the best cities for sure.
1: Yeah, I somehow I mean, you know, ended up with just like fractions of the Deep South. And mm-hmm. Mexican food, which is yeah. not bad. But... Yeah, you got the uh, like the Mid-South Airlines. Uh... Southwest <laughs> can get you to all of my <laughs> cities. Probably cheap. Yeah, You don't even need to get that in the car. Cheap. Two free bags. There you go. Not a sponsor. Well, you know. Could be, though. Could be. We're open to it. Southwest, give us a call. Take us on this yeah. road trip. Yeah, we sponsor <laughs> the whole network. I love it um this is good. what else is going on at dave campbell's now that we're in july uh rice is a, the, you're the first guest with rice as an official aac member so congratulations what what else is going on now that you have to relearn all of the conferences and who is playing where
2: uh, well luckily you know the nice thing about doing the magazine is all my prep work is mostly done you know i think a lot of people in my position use these months to kind of get reacquainted with with the programs we have kind of already done that so now on the site, we'll just start kind of trickling out magazine content behind the paywall. Um, just trying to get that the all-state teams will come out on Wednesday and then we'll start putting out individual team sections. And then and as we mentioned kind of early in next week starts media days, big twelve media days on the 12th and 13th. And then there's Texas uh coaching school, which this year is in Houston. Um, and then uh you know, AAC media days and and conference USA media days back to back in Arlington, I think the 23rd, 24th or 24th, 25th, something like that. So yeah, July is is mostly media days, interviews, talking to people, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, August kind of rubber meets road and then we're off and running.
1: I love it, man. This is always, always a blast to do. Um, If nothing else to hang out, I I think we enjoy chatting with each other nonetheless, and uh, maybe talk, you know, a little bit of football. And uh, a little bit of nonsense, but yeah, uh, you don't need a a plug, but I'll plug these guys over at Dave Campbell's are fantastic. We are super pumped. We can now Carter has got the intro to the Dave Campbell's Republic of Texas. Wait, Republic of football podcast network. He can say Mm -hmm. it. He says it. He does it better than I am, but uh, we're glad to be aboard, and we'd love to have you, man. We will do this again. And, uh, who knows what else we got in store for this? As always, an interesting football season, if nothing else.
2: No doubt. No doubt. I appreciate you having me on. Anytime y'all need anything, let me know. Thanks uh, Thanks for being on board. Um, and, you know, just for everybody to know, like, uh, I think we're going to get all 13 by the start of, of football season. This Ooh. network continues to grow. We should have, you know, an individual podcast specific for each FBS uh, team in the state. And at Dave Campbell's, you know, we try to cover everybody the same. You know, like 2A is the same as 6A at, at the high school level. And we're trying to do Kind of the same uh, same concept at the college level. So uh, excited that uh, y'all are doing this and uh, always enjoy y'all's work.
1: You're just doing our homework for us. Now I don't have to look up who's covering X, Y, Z. I can just go yeah. go pull up our Slack channel and be like, oh, here we go. Craven's got us covered.
2: Trying to get us Done. all connected. I, I, I just didn't want to fight with everybody. You know what I mean? Like when you're in this industry, uh, it's hard to get. I don't want to get too media talk here, but like. Uh, I think in in media these days, like it's become more of a competition than just like news sharing and stuff. And so I think we lost a lot like SB Nation and stuff. I think has taken a hit over years and stuff as like big, big corporations get involved in it. So what I think is cool about this network is it's not just podcasts, but it's a lot of content, a lot of websites. And we can kind of, you know, you share everybody's stuff and kind of make it more of a, you know, You know, in Texas, we try to do everything really big, right? And so this kind of seemed like a perfect uh, Texas Dave Campbell's idea. So I'm glad it's come to fruition. I love it.
0: All right. Well, thanks to you all for listening. Thanks uh, to Mike for hopping on with us. This was fun. Uh, We'll uh, keep marching on towards the start of camp and eventually the season. So stick with us. And, uh, right, fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.